Welcome to the Gigabyte Weekly Podcast. This week's episode is on creating wealth through crypto as we depart from some of the more technical aspects that we've been talking about in previous weeks. Nearly half of all millennial millionaires have at least 25% of their wealth in crypto. And we're going to kind of talk about how, you know, that relates to you as a listener and, you know, how maybe you could get there someday through the likes of crypto. Enjoy. And welcome back. James, as I say in every episode, thanks for joining me. How are you? I'm doing very good, Sam. Great to be back here for episode number six now. And also to all our, all our listeners out there, thank you for joining us. You know, again, thank you for supporting us. You know, this podcast has grown so much, way faster than I personally expected it to. Yeah, I think we're at 200, over 200 monthly listeners now, which is not a level we ever thought we'd be at this early. Exactly. No, I completely agree. So James, then what we said we talk about this episode is kind of the crux of crypto, you know, which is how can you make money from it, right? And just for record, nothing here is financial advice. You should do your own research, la da 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 da, you know what I mean? So we're going to split it up into two different sections. So how can an individual make money from crypto? And we'll kind of, we came up with a few strategies for that. And then how can companies make money through crypto? So James, Obviously, everyone knows what we do anyway is we are investment fund. So why should someone invest in crypto? And what is the difference between like investing and trading? You know, you hear these terms thrown around. Explain this to us. Yeah, so I'll start with investing there. So investing is when you have a long-term mindset when you're buying an asset. So let's say you're investing in crypto. You're not thinking of, I'm going to sell after a 10% pump. I'm going, to t- I'm going to take my profits really quickly. You're thinking, where am I going to be five years down the line? You know, taking profits every now and then is a good is a good idea, especially so you can rebuy in during the dips. But you're thinking more long term, and you're also thinking of the technology behind the company. Sorry, behind the asset as well. So you know, you want to have exposure to your smart contracts, your payment systems, your oracles, to your you know your individual blockchains, everything. So it's important to have a balanced portfolio, which is what we do offer at Gigabyte as well. You know, our 15 cap index, our smart chain fund. We break down our portfolios based on the underlying assets and things like that. And that's why it's important to have exposure to these things so you can hopefully have a winning asset in your portfolio. Yeah, and like kind of like you said, like it can be kind of hard to, uh, excuse the language, shovel through the shit, to be perfectly frank, you know. Like as we said in like our, our episode on meme coins and the meme economy, you know, there's a lot of uh, meme coins that have no intrinsic value. And, you know, to a newcomer to crypto, it can be kind of hard to determine where the value actually is. You know, how do you know if this coin is better than this coin, you know? I mean, that's a lot of what we do here, but, you know, it, it can be quite intimidating for, for new people and, you know, you can lose a lot of money on it as well. But I suppose the way I kind of look at crypto investing is similar to the likes of internet companies in the 90s and like pre-2000s, you know? Like a couple of them were amazingly and immensely successful. Amazon, Apple, you know, Apple's a bit earlier now. But all these tech companies that survived the 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 08 or the uh, 2000s bubble for internet companies, you know, like only a few of them survived, but the ones that did are now the companies you know, you know, they're some of the biggest out there. And, you know, most of them, the vast majority of internet companies failed at this point. And, you know, you can see the parallels there to crypto. And I think that's what we'll eventually see, you know, the the, the technology that's best, the company that provides the best service will win, you know, the, the market will always determine the best. No, exactly. And even just to go on a bit there with trading, Sam, trading is very different to investing. In trading, you're not really looking at 
what's behind the asset, what's powering it, what use does it give. You're only looking to gain through financial speculation, through price speculation. You're going to go long, short. You're going to use crazy amounts of leverage, especially in crypto where you can use 100x leverage. So you said long and short. We'll just slow down because trading, you know, that it isn't, and obviously investing, you know, all these, this isn't a crypto exclusive thing. So you can trade traditional assets like stocks and commodities like gold and silver. You can even trade sugar, right? You, you can trade a load of different things. But you're saying going long and short, that kind of that's that's derivatives and that's options and stuff like that, right? So, so what is what is going long and short? You know, just that's a term well understood in the financial industry, but to someone that wouldn't understand. Yeah, so when you're going long, you're betting the price is gonna go up. So you know, every time somebody buys something and hopes to sell it at a higher price, you're going long. So I mean in you can you can say in investing you're going long, but you you're not using leverage, you're not you're not buying um derivatives. So when you're trading, you're often buying a derivative of the underlying asset. So you're buying a Bitcoin derivative, an Ethereum derivative. And then when you're going short, this is where it gets really complex. You're borrowing money from your exchange and then you're selling the asset back to the exchange at a lower price and you're making that difference. So you can use crazy amounts of leverage as well in going short. And just with the whole GameStop frenzy, you know, that was um, hedge funds, venture funds, you know, big money on Wall Street betting that this company is going to die. And I think it was 130% of all shares in GameStop were short, which doesn't make sense. And that only, the only reason that's possible is because so much of it was derivatives as well. So not the underlying shares, but an uh, like a technology or an asset that tracks the share price. Yeah, and these instruments are extremely risky. You know, you can lose money very easily. It's hard, you know, betting in general, you should bet responsibly and, you know, it's it's probably best not to. And like I suppose all investing is a bet on the future, but trading and derivatives are a specific type you know trading you're waiting for minute movements within charts and how you can try predict where it's going to go based on how something's charging and that is very very risky and you know they call it technical analysis but there's just something to be said about it's pure just speculation and um, versus the likes of investing which is it is different because you know you have a structured plan in mind from the beginning you know you have maybe buy-in and sell-out points uh, and you hold it over a long term, like the likes of a stock, right? The average returns in the U.S. stock market is roughly around eight percent every year, right? That that now that is an average. Obviously, some years are higher, some years are lower, but holding that long term, you have the best chances of getting the most out of the market. And it's it, a similar principle for crypto. You know, the longer you're in, you know, it, it's better to have time in the market than timing the market. And that's kind of a, a mantra that you should stick by. So then, James, moving away from traditional investing trading derivatives right because that's just financial assets in general something more exclusive to crypto so we've got a couple of other ways here so we've talked about staking and mining a little bit how can someone make money from these yes Sam. this is where crypto really starts to get interesting and where we see a clear breakaway from um, between crypto and the traditional equity markets so to start with i'll actually start with mining because that's the traditional way of kind of acquiring new coins so using a proof of work system most older technologies such as bitcoin litecoin dogecoin you know the older legacy coins all used to use mining to acquire new coins and to bring new coins onto the market so they would use kind of complex computers would solve complex equations and in reward for solving the equation you were given new coins and that worked for a long time because prices were low. You know, this was still kind of a, a niche type of kind of financial system. And then when things started getting really expensive, crypto blew up and mining became this really inefficient, carbon intensive, dirty 
way of acquiring and validating transactions. So much like, you know, coal mining, oil drilling, fracking, you know, they're not good for the environment. They're older technologies and new ones are going to overtake them. So that's kind of where that side of crypto has gone. And then the whole new side, which is where most of the wealth and value is going to be created, is in proof of stake coins, which is what we talked about previously. And we've also mentioned this in many of our blogs as well. Um, Staking is where you simply hold, so to say, a bag of crypto in a wallet. And in reward for holding that, that crypto, you're given the validation fee. So you, uh, your, your stack is used to validate transactions and you're rewarded that fee. So that kind of transaction fee is given to you. Yeah. Okay. And I, th- I think that's a pretty good explanation of the two. And, you know, you know, we've, we've referenced proof of work and proof of stake concepts before. And, you know, mining is still, as you just, it is a dirty industry and it's not green. And, you know, the way, as our ESG podcast kind of points out, the way the world is moving, ESG is going to be one of the biggest ratings of a good investment down the line. And, you know, that it's kind of hard to know where the future of mining lies. And, you know, like large banks have tried to value the mining industry for like a Bitcoin. And it's well into the billions. It's a massive industry. So it's kind of hard to know, you know, is that just going to disappear overnight? Similar enough to, I suppose, traditional mining, which is also like not very green and it's it's a dirty industry, which is also worth, what, trillions? Trillions, definitely. Like, you know, it's hard to imagine that going overnight, but I'd say it'll be phased out. And then, like you said, you know, staking is definitely the better alternative. It's greener and, you know, it, it does offer some nice, strong returns for the investor. So then, James... Just moving on the last topic then for how an individual can create wealth through crypto. So we will do a podcast on this in itself because especially in the last couple of weeks, this has been blowing up, right? It's it's a buzzword as well as blockchain. NFTs. What the hell is an NFT, James? Yeah, so to be honest, Sam, I think we could talk about this for hours and hours. We could do numerous podcasts, blogs, everything on NFTs. But to break it down, an NFT stands for a non-fungible token. So this is kind of, it's kind of like digital art, you know, a digital certificate of ownership of something. And that ownership is placed on the blockchain. So it's validated. It, it it works much like sending crypto, except you're sending ownership of a product or something physical or just something digital, you know, like digital art. So that's where people see huge growth in this industry is digital art, you know, digital wine. You know, imagine if you didn't have to own the physical bottle of wine, but you can own the NFT of the bottle. And when that bottle is sold, the owner of the NFT gets the gets the money. So that's where, you know, there's a huge growth surge happening in crypto. And we see this so it's so popular, um, not just kind of with the legacy crypto kind of investors and in that scene, but it's also popular in kind of mainstream art dealing as well. If you look at like, you know, Christie's um um auction house. They sold Beeple's everything NFT for something like sixty-eight or sixty-nine million dollars to Justin Sun, the founder of Tron. So it just shows that you know the founders of these coins are really getting in. They're involved. It just shows that there's so much promise behind this industry. Yeah, the way I kind of like looking at a bit NFTs is like I think it makes illiquid assets more liquid. You know, and I think real estate as well is like a, an area that NFTs can fundamentally change. You know, it allows for value to be exchanged and move around rather than having to physically go somewhere you know it, it takes the it, it just puts everything more it makes everything more virtual and you know that's kind of the way the world's going i think it's a natural next step and then on top of that as well you know like how someone can make an nft you know 
you can put them up on these auction websites or, you know, just these websites where you can buy and sell, sort of like exchanges just for artwork. So if you're a good artist, for example, all you need to do is just maybe scan that into your PC and it can be uploaded onto this and, you know, you have to pay gas fees and everything as with the blockchain. But it allows for artists to make money directly, you know, like what the blockchain does in general, it can take out the middleman, you know, of all these transactions. And traditionally in art, you know, there's artist and then in between the art and the consumer, the person who's trying to buy the art, there's maybe an auctioner or, you know, a salesperson or something, you know. So it, it connects art dealers or it connects artists to buyers much easier and it allows for a lot more profitability for, for those people. And like NFTs, like you don't have to be an artist to make money from NFTs, you know. You can just be someone who has a good eye for what might be popular, uh, buy it and sell it at a higher price. And a lot of these are dealt in Ethereum or like BUSD, for example, Binance just opened up their own exchange for it. But yeah, so James, that's how an individual can create wealth. And that's going to be most of our most of our listeners here, you know. But how can a company create wealth through crypto? And we kind of we we're trying to brainstorm a little bit, you know, how can is it smart for a company to, you know, maybe hold crypto on their balance sheet? Are, are companies doing that at the moment? Like stuff like that. So James, maybe we'll start with that. Do companies like hold on their balance sheet and what does that do for them? Yeah, so I mean, we've seen a lot of these big tech companies, uh, specifically US companies really in the last, in kind of the, the Q1 of, of 2021, buying up literally billions of dollars worth of mainly Bitcoin and holding it on their balance sheets. And that shows that, okay, they believe that crypto is here to stay. They know for a fact as well that they're, they're actually losing money just holding that in bank accounts because inflation is eating away at any interest rate they're being paid, which, by the way, is 0.06% is the average interest rate in the U.S. savings account now. So it's, it's, it's virtually nothing. And inflation, I mean, in normal times, it's 2%, but we're talking maybe 5% now. Yeah, now it's about 5% in the U.S. and about 4% in the EU. Yeah, so it's just showing that you are losing a huge amount of money to inflation if you're just saving money. So like the way the world is right now is if, you, is if you're not spending money, you're losing money. So these companies know this and they want to maintain a healthy balance sheet and they also want to maintain kind of good uh, relationships with investors and they want to seem profitable all the time. So they're holding up huge amounts of Bitcoin, huge amounts of crypto, hoping to actually you know gain financially off it. To They're kind of... It's pure kind of price speculation, really, but it's also showing that they believe in the technology, they believe in the blockchain. And uh, yeah, I mean, personally, if I was a CEO or if I was on the board of a huge company, I would be looking at buying up a lot of Bitcoin, really, and holding it on our sheet. Yeah, I mean, like you kind of said there, I think one of the better points that you made there as well was with regards to inflation. I don't think we really referenced that enough with, you know, the individual side of things, you know. Like, if you have... 10 grand in your bank account right every year you make 0.1 percent for example in, in ireland that'd be about an average one in your bank account interest right so you make 0.1 percent of that 10 grand every year and you think okay free money that's good but in reality your the value of your money every year is going down by way more than 0.1 percent for example what i said there was inflation rates in the eu were about four percent ish on average right you lose your value, your money loses four percent of its value every year, and you know that's why people invest in assets, and that's why crypto can be can be really good. The likes of like um, staking, like uh, for like a cake, right? That that's the name of a coin that you can stake on an exchange called PancakeSwap, right? And the the APY, the annual 
uh, rate of return, basically, is around 90% at the minute. That's just for staking that. So you can make 90% returns on cake at the moment. Now, that does fluctuate versus 0.1% in a bank account. So that, that, kind of, that kind of separates, you know, like smart money from just your average person, you know, because these people know, like the wealthy, the, the millionaires, they know how their money can make money for them. Whereas the average person who maybe has this barrier because of a lack of education on this stuff, because this information is really shared with people, they are making less money on on average every year, and they're, they're losing money through by not investing. But anyway, so you, you mentioned then that holding crypto on the balance sheet, and you know it's a good hedge against inflation as well. You know it's it's inefficient to just hold cash because it loses its value. So then maybe for like grants or like. You know, maybe do, can ICOs, for example, first of all, explain what an ICO is and then how can that be used by companies? You know, does that work for like individuals or is that just a company raising thing? Tell us about that. You know, that's a really interesting thing that we should probably do a podcast on in general as well. But an ICO stands for an initial coin offering. So it's a, it's kind of derived from an IPO, so an initial public offering. And it allows a company to sell tokens in, um, to, in, to, to investors. So it allows a company to raise large amounts of money very quickly on the blockchain with virtually no regulation. There's, you know, it's a much faster, efficient, cheaper way to raise money. Now, there's been a lot of shady stuff that's gone on in ICOs and some countries are more friendly to it than others. Like for example, in China, ICOs are completely banned. Uh, Chinese citizens are not allowed to invest in ICOs. Chinese companies are not allowed to run ICOs and companies cannot seek out Chinese investment through ICOs as well. So you have to be very careful about where you're advertising um, for your ICO. But in general, you can raise a lot of money very quickly. So I think it was Telegram, the messaging app, raised like $250 million in a week or something um, back in 2017. So it just goes to show that you can raise a lot of money. And really what a company can do is if they need cash quickly, or let's say you're a startup, instead of seeking out funding through VCs, through family, friends, you know, through the traditional ways of, of financing, you can raise money through an ICO. So it's much like crowdfunding, but a lot cheaper, a lot less regulated and a lot easier. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty good explanation. And obviously, James, for those that don't know, does have a, a, a pretty big background in ICOs. You know, we hold a like a small private ICO fund at Gigabyte that we just, you know, it's kind of our own like speculative investments on and on the future of crypto. And, you know, that, that's been doing ridiculously well recently. Congratulations on you know, that. Thanks. It's, it's, a, it's a tough game to play, but when it plays off well, it's very nice. Um, and then obviously, James, you, you wrote your college uh, paper on, you know, the determinants of what makes a successful coin offering, mm -hmm. which is, you know, you've got a good background on that. And maybe that's a topic down the future as well. But then moving on to our final topic then, you know, crypto payments. So is, is that is that a profitable option for companies or is that just a more efficient way to accept unit of transfer of value? It's kind of both. I mean, companies are already paying a fee when they're accepting debit or credit card transfers. They're, you know, cash is trash really now. Companies, they're looking to go completely cashless. Society is going cashless, cashless. And what better way than through the blockchain, through the most trusted financial system ever created by any person ever? So, I mean, I can see a huge benefit for a company seeking out payment through crypto, whether that be for expensive things like houses, cars, um, you know, even like, you know, boats, jets, everything like that, all the way down to your average cup of coffee in the morning to your lunch in the afternoon. You know, crypto, it's so, you, you can break it down into so many units that it works for both large and small scale transfers. 
Yeah, okay. And I think that's kind of like, you know, that's the, the main portion of what we want to talk about, you know, and this is probably the most applicable episode we've made to any listener, you know, because, you know, chances are if you're listening to this podcast by our company, you know, you're going to be kind of interested in crypto in general, but also how can you make money? How does it impact you specifically? And, you know, this is kind of the crux of what we do at Gigabyte, you know, we offer like structured fund options so that people that want to invest but maybe don't know how can get the option to do so through our legally structured funds. But I think, James, I think we might leave it there. You know, I think we've we've kind of covered everything. We've kind of give good, we've given good explanations of everything. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts? Yeah, I just think we can tie the end to the beginning with that statistic that you gave that, what is it, 47% of millennial millionaires hold, is it, 50, is it 25 to 50% of their net worth in crypto? So it just shows a huge wealth divide between your younger millionaires versus your older millionaires who i think it's this was a cnbc survey hold less than 10 percent of their net worth on average in crypto so we can see a huge transfer of wealth happening as these younger millionaires continue to get richer and richer more of their wealth is going to be placed in crypto and as unfortunately as these older millionaires start to retire you know spend their savings or you know eventually die we're going to see a lot of investment into more traditional assets die down and a lot of investment into the more digital newer assets rise and rise and rise yeah, and I think that, you know, that's a good point as well, but it's also worth mentioning, you know, crypto isn't just for millionaires. Crypto is for the average person. It's for everyone. The utility that and the diversification within the field, there's something there for everyone. And, you know, putting in the time and the research, of course, it's a speculative asset, but, you know, it, it can pay off for anyone, not just the millionaires. So anyway, I think we'll leave it there. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. I'd like to thank you guys for tuning into episode six of the Gigabyte Weekly and also for continuing to support us. You know, you're checking out our website, you're reading our blogs, you're checking out our social medias. It's just really great to see the community grow around the company and to see traction grow as well. You know, we're, we are a startup, but it's really great to see, you know, the support and it's really pushing us to continue to do this. And yeah, you know, you can check out our website, gigabyteinvestment.com, where we write a lot of blogs about a lot of the content that we talk about as well. And we might go into more detail. You know, they're more technically orientated if that's something you want to kind of learn about. And also we share those blogs on our Twitter at Gigabyte Invest and also on our LinkedIn, which is just gigabyteinvestment.com. So yeah, thank you guys. And we'll see you next week for episode seven.